right, everybody. Welcome to episode number 81 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I'm your host, Bill. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris! How you doing? <laughs> oh, I think the listeners would rather hear how you're doing. Oh, no, Did, no, no. Uh, somebody well, have a little... Operation? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you'd consider it an operation. And uh, Chris, thank you for helping me uh, spill the beans to all the listeners. Oh, did you ever spill the beans? <laughs> oh, no, you're not kidding. Uh, what Chris is uh, so smugly referring to is the colonoscopy procedure that I had done on Monday morning. More specifically, I think Chris is referring to the prep. Am I <laughs> right, Chris? Oh, yes, because I'm all too familiar with that prep because I just had it done uh, within the past two years. I think I actually uh, told everyone about it. Uh, I think you did. Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you right now, uh, I had mine scheduled at 6.45 a.m. on Monday morning. And uh, let me put it in the best way that I possibly can. Things went right down to to the wire. If you catch my drift. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that is actual footage, folks. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you describe for us uh, how you felt after the first initial laxative was taken? It was like an hour into it and like nothing's happening. I go, maybe, you know, this is it. It's simple. And then as soon as I texted you that I was feeling okay, uh, that's kind of when all holy hell broke loose, bud. And uh, I don't think I've recovered yet. And it was nearly a week ago now. But this doctor's office I went into, it was really crazy. Like you go in and it actually looks like a doctor's office, but then you round the corner once they call you in and then it turns into a hospital. Dude, this is at like right across from Vassar Brothers Hospital in Poughkeepsie. I mean, they made it a, as uh, painless as possible. So as soon as I got there, they just whisked me right in. And then, you know, by fucking eight o'clock, I was done. Yeah, that's the great thing about it. It's a quick procedure. But my man, yeah, that night before is just no treat. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's that. But Chris, please, enough about my colonoscopy. Can we please move on to tonight's topic? I'm begging you. Ugh, fine. <laughs> Chris, tonight we have a very, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, a very fun topic, in, in my opinion. It's something that I find very creepy, but in a good way, if that makes any sense. Because tonight, Chris, we are going to be discussing the haunted painting of little Samantha Houston, a painting known simply as Love Letters. Now, Chris, before we started researching this, had you ever heard Oh, the haunted painting called Love Letters. No, I had not actually heard about this one. But I would say it's definitely eerie. And and of course, the background or the real true meaning of the painting is kind of even more horrific than the painting itself. Yeah, well, like I was saying, I I love these topics because I find paintings, especially portraits, somewhat creepy, especially when the eyes follow you around. And I actually had, and I, I think you've seen it, I had uh, our dear friend of the show, Drew Miller, who is one of the best artists I've ever seen. I had him paint a portrait of my mother-in-law, 
And the thing looks so realistic, dude, that no matter where you sit, this thing is looking at you. That's the thing about these things. Like, I mean, if you focus on them too much, it's almost like when you're looking into a mirror, you know, if you look at your reflection for too long and your face will almost kind of get distorted. It's like that. When you look at a painting for too long, it's almost as if you can see it moving a little bit and facial changes and the eyes moving a little bit, at least my perception of it. And that's exactly <laughs> the way I feel about this painting that Drew did for me. And if anybody's interested in uh, Drew's artwork, I suggest you go take a look at him at DrewMillerArt.com. So yeah, when you actually go down into uh, Drew's studio, right? He has all these portraits of uh, people on walls. And, and it just ranges from kids to older people. But if you're down there by yourself, man, I'm telling you, with all these things looking at you on the wall, I don't like it one bit. And I start getting a little freaked out. And I kind of get the vibe from this painting that we're talking about tonight. Because as you alluded to, Chris, the backstory of it makes it all the more creepy. So let's describe the picture before we get into uh, the history of it. So I am looking at it, Chris. I don't necessarily like what I see, but I want to get your feeling on it before I express mine. But uh, can you describe a little bit of it to us and uh, tell us what you think? The picture is, is really just of a little girl in a dress with a little you know, blue ribbon across the front, and she's holding uh, what appears to be roses in her left hand and a letter in her right. She has a very innocent look on her face. It appears, if I look at the picture, I'd say she has reddish hair. Nothing sinister looking about the, the painting at all. No, she definitely does look innocent, and in my opinion, the eyes are fairly realistic. I mean, you could tell, obviously, that it is a painting. Like you said, it, there's nothing sinister about it. She looks fairly happy, but like I said, there is something a little bit creepy about it. Maybe it's because she's looking at us, <laughs> or maybe it's because uh, we know exactly what happened here, Chris, and we are about to get into that. As I said, this was a painting of little Samantha Houston, four-year-old Samantha Houston, but can you give us a little uh, background on Samantha what you got for us? Samantha was the firstborn child of Laura Cross Houston and her father, Senator Temple Lee of Houston. The father, by I might add, was also a senator at the age of 25 years old. Very young family. They were in Austin, Texas at the Driscoll Hotel because this is where the 20th legislature meeting was to be held uh, from January 11th to April 4th of 1887. The, the family is spending some time here due to this legislature meeting. Holy shit, apparently Old Temple's with us here tonight, Chris. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as you uh, laid that out so nicely for us, here we are. We're in Austin, Texas in the late 19th century, 1887 to be exact. And uh, we're talking about, a, I would imagine, a fairly affluent family. If you're a state senator at that time, especially being that young, I would imagine that you have a lot going for you. And the, the family seemed to be very happy. And as you mentioned, they were at the world-famous Driscoll Hotel. I'm looking at my notes right here, and the Driscoll was completed in 1886, one year prior to when uh, our tragic events unfold. The events that are about to unfold, there's not very distinct information on it because... 
At the time, the hotel had wanted to keep this under wraps because it was a new hotel. It was popular. They had people coming in left and right, and they wanted to keep that popularity flowing. But unfortunately, on one fateful night in April of 1887, Senator Temple Houston's daughter, Samantha, the little girl that is in the painting, she left her hotel room without her parents knowing and went and was playing in the halls of the hotel, like most kids do. You know, this is not something that's abnormal or out of the realm of possibility. But unfortunately, Chris, she decided to leave their hotel room when her mother was asleep and Senator Houston was working. So she was unsupervised. And like most little kids, she had a small little toy with her, which I believe was a small leather ball of some sort. She took that into the hallway. She was, I don't know, throwing it up in the air, trying to catch it, whatever. And it got away from her. And apparently it rolled down this grand staircase that they had in the hotel. And we come to find out that four-year-old Samantha Houston chased that ball. She lost her footing, tripped and fell down the stairs she broke her neck and died instantly. As you mentioned, this this happens at night uh, while the mother is asleep, but the father, Temple, is actually awake and he's working. He's been working late nights because he's trying to finish some legislation. So he was inside the grand ballroom, which was only steps, mere steps away from where his daughter had fallen. And basically upon hearing news or he opens the door, and sees that she's there, and he goes absolutely crazy. I mean, he, he pulls the gun out, basically, in this crowd of people that are in the ballroom. So, Chris, you got to imagine what Temple's thinking right off the bat. He's got to be thinking that this is foul play, and somebody took his daughter and hurt her. Because, as far as he knew, she was sleeping in the room with her mom, and she's four years old. How the hell did she get out of the room, and how the hell did she end up on the steps? And, as I said, Chris, this is... The grand staircase. So this staircase leads right down into the main lobby. So as you could imagine, this had to be a huge spectacle. And upon seeing your daughter laying there dead, of course, as the parent, you're going to lose your shit. And as you said, Temple takes out a gun and starts threatening the crowd, basically accusing anyone and everyone uh, of doing this to his daughter. Right, like you said, you're not thinking that your daughter just fell down the stairs and broke her neck. You're thinking somebody did this to her. So tensions are really high right now in the hotel. And rightfully so. You have a dead four-year-old laying right on the uh, grand staircase for everyone to see. But luckily for all the onlookers, Chris, uh, Houston had the gun removed from him and there was no further damage from that point forward. This is when things start to get uh, a little odd. So... The Houston family are obviously beside themselves, and they're in great despair. Their four-year-old daughter had just passed away in a tragic accident. And that is when our painting, entitled Love Letters, the painting of uh, four-year-old Samantha Houston, comes into play, Chris. So legend has it that before Samantha's burial, her dad contacted a well-known artist in Austin, by the name of William Henry Huddle. And he wanted this guy to paint a portrait of his deceased daughter. And I get that. That makes total sense. But here's the weird thing, Chris. It seems that Senator Temple here gave the artist Samantha's corpse to use as the model for the painting. That's a tough situation. That's a situation where you you can't even really fathom it unless you're in that person's shoes. 
wanting to capture your daughter in, in a timeless image, essentially, because you'll never get to really see her in person again. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird to think about. Like you said, it, it's easy for us to say that uh, it, it's odd or creepy, but uh, for a parent that's in distress, you, you could kind of understand why he's doing it, and especially in this time era, 1887. So that's what he has done. He has the artist draw up a sketch of Samantha, and then he returns home and buried Samantha's remains in, oh, your hometown, Chris, Mobiti, Texas. I've never heard of it. <laughs> but get this, Chris. It was over 450 miles away. I don't know how they would transport a corpse at that point in time, but I just thought that was something interesting that we should mention because that's quite a long journey to be traveling with a corpse. I'd imagine that's quite the trek uh, back in 1887. Indeed, it was. So now we have this situation on our hands. The parents are distraught. You would think that the hotel that housed the Houston family at that point in time would reach out to them and offer some sort of comfort. But no, Chris, because as we mentioned, they did everything they could to wipe this event away. And aside from the coroner's report, there was no documented proof that this had even happened at the Driscoll Hotel. So basically, the Driscoll Hotel was in save-my-own-ass mode. Yeah, I, I mean, you can imagine, like you said, trying to keep this under wraps. Um, and, and the owner, uh, Jesse Driscoll, had actually already closed the hotel and sent his staff to work in another hotel in Galveston. So that may have also been part of his way of bringing in new people to basically work in a place where they are not aware of you know any incident that, that occurred. Yeah, and especially back then, too, you know, it would have to spread by word of mouth. And if they're not releasing these statements about this, you switch staff and then boom, it's almost like it never happened. But, Chris, we come to find out that upon the completion of this painting, and I don't know how long the time period was, but he finished the painting. He contacted Temple that it was ready. But here's the weird thing, Chris. Temple never went and picked up the painting. And I'm guessing that maybe it was just too difficult for him. And he, at the time, emotionally wanted something to remember his daughter by. But then as time went on, he might have felt that it was too difficult to look at that painting every day. And he just never went and got it. But Chris, the story doesn't end there because the painting was eventually purchased by someone else. But who purchased that painting? And what did they do with it? Uh, your twin, Colonel Driscoll. <laughs> Isaac Chris, what did they do with it? So Colonel Driscoll purchased the painting for the sum of $10, and he decided to display it at the head of the grand staircase. Now, I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of like a memorial to the, the daughter because she had died in that very spot in the hotel. Seems like a very nice gesture, and perhaps it looks like uh, old Colonel Driscoll here had a change of heart rather than hiding the fact that this had happened and wanted to instead make it a memorial for little Samantha Houston, which seems to be the appropriate action to take. Uh, indeed, indeed. I would say that uh, perhaps, yeah, that, that was his reasoning behind it. So, Chris, once this painting of Samantha entitled Love Letters was displayed um, 
for everyone to see at the Driscoll, weird things started to happen. Um, first off, we should mention that in 1905, at the young age of 45, Senator Temple passed away. It's noted that Senator Temple died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Some claim that it was a fight that led to that, but uh, others seem to believe that upon the uh, death of his daughter, you know, alcohol played a big role in his life, and that eventually led to his death. And uh, you can see how that obviously could happen. Prior to Senator Houston uh, passing away, we come to find out that Colonel Driscoll had sold the Driscoll Hotel in 1903, approximately two years prior to the death of Senator Houston. At that point in time, the portrait of Samantha had been moved. Rather than being in its uh, initial position near the Grand Staircase, it was moved up uh, into a hallway on the fifth floor. So, Chris, like I said, these type of paintings, especially a portrait of a, a dead child, can uh, give off an ominous vibe. And that's kind of what started to happen at the uh, Driscoll. You know, as we said, initially the picture was hung along the grand staircase. So as you enter the hotel and make your way to your room, everybody sees it. And lo and behold, it seems that some of the patrons, oh, the Driscoll, weren't overly thrilled with the portrait of Samantha. Some said that they got a very uneasy feeling. Some said that they would get nauseous. Some said dizzy. But you put all these things together, and the common thread is that when people were next to this painting, they were becoming very uncomfortable one way or another. So then at that point, the owners of the Driscoll decide maybe it's a good idea to move uh, the painting. So they take it out of uh, the area along the Grand Staircase, and they move it to its uh, new spot up on the fifth floor. Chris, as time went on, the new owners, believe it or not, upon taking over the hotel, they got a very bad vibe from the painting as well. And this time, they were like, ah, we're done here. You know, the patrons of the hotel are getting uneasy. This is not good for our bottom line. They go and take this portrait, which was now on the fifth floor, as I said. They take it from the hallway and put it in a housekeeping closet where it stayed for quite some time. So if there is really something going on with this painting itself, hiding it in a closet <laughs> isn't really going to do much. You're going to have to get rid of this thing. You're going to have to have this thing leave the building. But alas, Chris, somehow, some way, the portrait of Samantha reemerged and it was put back in the hallway on the fifth floor. <laughs> Maybe things got worse after they tried hiding it. Yeah, yeah it pissed that thing off. So, in, in addition to Samantha's picture being put out into the hallway, Laura Houston, the mother of Samantha, uh, actually donates separate portraits of herself and the father Temple to the Driscoll Hotel in 1906. And these paintings were actually done right after Samantha had died. And they were hung together side by side with a plaque between them, basically as a memorial to Samantha. But then, this is where things get a little creepier because uh, apparently after the, the parents' paintings had kept falling off the wall for no apparent reason, they then had to be nailed to the wall. I don't know if that's the best idea either, Chris. We're being somewhat antagonistic to uh, whatever's going on here. Can you imagine the fucking nails are on the floor with the paintings? <laughs> they just start flying out. Well, that's when you just gotta go. So, you know, people are seeing this, they're reading the plaque, and they're getting uneasy. 
the stories of the hauntings start to spread. And as human nature dictates, you know, you hear stories like that, you can see how the wheels in your own head might start turning and you begin to feel like some of these things may be happening to you. And I think that's exactly what happened here. People got word of the hauntings and the uneasy feeling that people were getting around the painting, the feelings of illness and dizziness, as I had alluded to earlier, and all of a sudden they begin feeling it. Whether it's true or not, I think that's probably what went on here. Most people that are walking by this painting are beginning to feel uneasy, and God forbid you see one drop or fall off the wall. <laughs> all hell's going to break loose, and as you said, that's when the nails came out. They nailed that thing to the wall. They don't want that happening again. They don't want somebody shitting their pants as they're walking down the grand staircase as uh, the painting drops. You know, with all this going on, you know, this causes people to react in different ways, and some very not-so-nice ways. But what ended up happening to the paintings? Apparently, the, the paintings were vandalized, slashed, and it, it got to the point where, obviously, you don't want some vandalized paintings on your wall. It doesn't look very good. So they actually had them removed and copied, and they stored away the original paintings, and they left the copies on the walls. But this time, they took all the labeling away from it so as to not basically give anyone notice to what the, the paintings were. There's a lot more lore behind an original painting so when you see that it's a copy uh, you know people would definitely react different i'd imagine yeah and as you said they removed the plaque as well so now if you're none the wiser to what happened there you don't know who the hell these people are they could just be historical figures of a, a different time era you know as you said you definitely don't want a creepy painting hanging up but you most certainly don't want a creepy painting <laughs> hanging in the hallway with a knife through it so amongst other things, and I found this one pretty interesting, Chris. So the paintings, or the copies of the paintings, had hung at the Driscoll for nearly a century. You know, this stuff becomes folklore, however the hell you want to look at it. Some people believe in the paranormal, some people don't. But uh, these alleged hauntings of the paintings became synonymous with the Driscoll. And people would actually leave candy under Samantha's portrait. Almost as if you would do with uh, any little kid, you know, giving them a piece of candy. But here's the weird thing, Chris. Um, some people report that the candy went missing. <laughs> but why would the candy go missing? <laughs> so, Chris, either the painting is eating it or we got some uh, fat fuck walking around the hallway stealing uh, the child's candy. We don't know what's happening yet. Can you imagine someone leaves a piece of chocolate under the photo and then the next morning... Uh, Samantha's photo has like chocolate around her lips. Holy shit. I would fucking flip. <laughs> now I might have to take a knife out and stab the thing. There'd be chocolate in somebody's pants after that. Jesus. Now, Chris, you might be onto something, bud, because apparently, according to legend, some of the candy was found behind the very portrait of Samantha. Did uh, oh. little old Samantha come out and try to eat the candy? Is the back of the painting her throat? We don't know. But that is apparently where they found this candy. If this painting is nailed to the wall, mind telling me how the hell the candy got there? But as we know, Chris, uh, with food, what goes in must come out. What are you alluding to here? <laughs> well, what I'm saying is, if uh, Samantha ate this candy, I mean... 
perhaps, and just perhaps here, the candy that was on the floor was uh, her droppings. Shut up! I'm not even sure what to say to that. So, Chris, the alleged hauntings aren't just exclusive to the paintings. Oh, no, no, no. Some patrons of the Driscoll actually claim that they can hear a little girl laughing in the hallway. And apparently they also claim to witness a little girl playing with a ball in the hallway. And uh, at this point, we need to get Zach Baggins on the phone with his little camera so he can just miss the child and we can see the little ball rolling down the hallway. And I mean just (laughs) missing it. Just out of reach. So now, you know, we went from this tragedy to this alleged haunting within the painting. Now we have this entity sort of making its way around the hotel. So, Chris, now looking at all of this that we've discussed here tonight and knowing the backstory of uh, the portrait of Samantha, what says you? What kind of vibe are you picking up on in regards to uh, this story? Chris, I'm going to ask you flat out, bud. The portrait of Samantha Houston, haunted or not? That's a tough one. I will say the fact that a child dying on those very stairs, there's no doubt in my mind that there could definitely be some sort of a presence there. I mean, if there ever were to be a presence, it would be hers. Is the painting haunted? I don't think it's so much the painting as it is just the hotel itself because of her death happening on that staircase. I think the thing that kind of led to this uh, mystique about this uh, painting is the fact that they use Samantha's corpse as the model for the initial sketch. So hearing that and knowing uh, that the tragedy took place basically right where the painting was hanging, you know, you put all those little factors together and, you know, you can cook up a nice story there. But as I said, you know, when you look at a painting from a very talented artist, your mind kind of plays tricks with you and you could start to basically see things that aren't there. And actually, believe it or not, that's what some people say that if you look at this portrait of Samantha long enough, it almost appears as if she starts grinning at you. Like I said, Chris, down in my friend Drew's art gallery, sometimes I feel like, you know, from my peripheral vision, I can see... I could see some of these paintings look at me in a way I don't like, dude. In a way I don't like. So, putting all that together, I I think what's happening here is that we have uh, basically a mind over matter situation going on. And I think people are looking at this painting and I think they're probably looking at it for a very long time. And I think they're pretty much freaking themselves out. And once you get freaked out, (laughs) we know how uh, that story goes, especially with the haunted apartment across the street, Chris. Once you start freaking yourself out, anything and everything becomes (laughs) paranormal activity. So I'm looking at this, Chris, and I'm going to uh, say no. I do not believe that the painting is haunted. So we're both in agreement that this painting is not haunted. But before we go, let me ask you a question. Would you be willing to hang up? Because as we've mentioned, you have a new home, and I've yet to get you a housewarming gift. 
if I were to present you with not a copy, but the original, or no, even a copy, hell with it. Probably it's going to be a lot cheaper. Would you be willing to hang this portrait of Samantha Houston in your home? Chris, would you do it? Maybe for one day? Just, just when I'm there hanging out for like a little party and <laughs> toss it when I'm gone. Would you be willing to hang that up though, Chris? Would, would you feel comfortable with it in your house? No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither, dude. I'm looking at it. <laughs> and like you said earlier in the show, she looks very pleasant in the picture. There's nothing overly scary about it, but uh, you know, I just don't want some little kid looking at me in the middle of the night, especially uh, when I, I know what happened to her. Well, my man, uh, I don't know how to put this, but uh, this is your birthday present. Uh, tomorrow is your birthday. And <laughs> yes, Chris, um, I'm getting as old as the Driscoll itself. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, you can't say no. No, it's <laughs> no, a I gift. <laughs> we can leave that thing hanging right outside because there is no way little Samantha Houston, God rest her soul, is entering my home, whether it be uh, in spirit or in painting. But nonetheless, Chris, that's it. That is the story of the alleged haunted painting of Samantha Houston. Let me give the rundown and we can finally get the hell out of here for the night. If, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on Facebook, uh, Between the Cracks Podcast, or on Instagram, uh, the Between the Cracks Podcast. And if you want to message us, please feel free. We will get back to you as soon as possible. And if you do want to become one of our lovely patrons, please feel free by doing so. And you can find our Patreon page by clicking on the link in the show notes. But uh, with that said, why don't you say we wish everybody out in podcast land the fondest. Oh. A farewell. All right, bro. Thanks, man. (laughs) How long are we going to go on with this, Chris? I mean, some of this is going to have to be cut out. (laughs) And if there's anything you want to add to that, Chris, please feel free. (laughs) I'll do that again. I got it. Samantha was the firstborn child... <laughs> no, no. Oh, no, no. Come on. Let's keep it together. How can I tie it in? I can just come in and say some bullshit now. So, uh, yeah, Chris. <laughs> apparently, we have. Uh, <laughs> apparently, old. Uh, what's this guy's name? <laughs> Hold Temple. On. Hold on. Does this give a fucking, like, a day when this happened? Do you want to see my April? I don't know what the fuck that means, but probably not. (laughs) Let's just wrap this thing up.